With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. We are cruising on a Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line, presented as always by BetMGM. Alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonatoni. And I almost, as a reflex, Michael, just said on the East Coast, but you are not hanging out in Tucson, Arizona one more day with uh, Jed Fish and the U of A crew. You bet. Yep. Still here and going to uh, go spend today and tomorrow, then head back and then uh, see you on Sunday. We get back on our regular routine and uh, get ready for the NFL season. I mean, by Sunday, preseason will be over. We'll have college Mm -hmm. football in front of us. I mean, we're on we're on the routine now. We've got football all the way through until February from here on out. I know. It's an awesome feeling. I'm so excited. It's crazy to me to think that we actually have like week zero meaningful college football games coming up starting this Saturday and then we're off and running. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part about the whole thing is we got, you know, even though it's college week zero, we can still we can still have football on weekends, which it makes it even all the better. I'm looking forward to, you know, some of these college games. I mean, it's interesting. Navy and Notre Dame over in Ireland. Who wouldn't want to watch that? I mean, just the fact that, you know, they're over there playing in Dublin. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I love it. That's the first official kickoff game of the 2023 season uh, taking place this Saturday, 1130 Pacific time. So I'm glad even with like it being overseas somewhere else, it's a time that everybody's going to be able to watch all eyeballs, nothing weird going on. You know, sometimes you have those overseas games and it's like bright and early, got to be up Mm -hmm. for a specific time, folk. It doesn't usually work out. So nice that with Ireland, it's just fine. Um, But okay, so usually around this time, Michael, I'm hitting you with the what's on Michael's mind question. And earlier in the show, we talked a little bit about Jonathan Taylor. And this is kind of a pull apart, an add-on layer to our conversation earlier in the program with what's on your mind. So what's going on? Well, I think what's on my mind is this notion that there's this, the phones are heating up for for trades for Jonathan Taylor when I haven't seen anybody through the league that has shown any interest in paying for running backs. I mean, we just haven't seen it. Miles Sanders averaged $6.35 million when he signed. Now, he's not as good as Jonathan Taylor, but he was free, and people paid that. Montgomery, $6 million. Alexander Madison only got $3.5 million, right? And then we see a bunch of running backs that had to take pay cuts. And when you take a pay cut, your agent typically looks over the marketplace and says, if we don't do this deal, we probably won't get that in the open market. 
right? So Aaron Jones goes from 16 million down to 11, right? Dalvin Cook went from 11 to seven. He that's all he could get. Joe Mixon went from 10 to 5.7. Hines from Buffalo went from 4.8 down to four. Right. Gus Edwards went from four, four to three, four. These guys are all taking pay cuts. And so everybody's giving pay cuts to people. And yet now all of a sudden the rhetoric out there in the market is there's this huge the phones lighting up for Chris Ballard. And I don't believe it. I, I, I believe there's a lot of interest in the player, but you have to attach the contract to the player. So does somebody want your problem, and are they willing to give you a bunch of picks that equate to a, a, a good set first-round pick, right? I mean, that's what Ballard's going to want. He's going to want enough picks that by value equal a first-rounder right. or are a first-rounder. And if you're trading them to a team like Miami, you're going to be picking in the low 30. You might be picking in the low 30s. You might be picking in 24, 25. What's that value? You know, if the Houston Texans wanted to trade for him, and I'm not saying they do because they've got Damian Pierce, but you know that's going to be a higher pick. Or if the Arizona Cardinals, that's going to be a higher pick. So I think this is more complex. The reason the agent, they gave them permission is because they know that they can find a trade partner if somebody wants to trade for him and play out that contract. But that's not what the mm -hmm. case is. He wants a raise. Right. And who's going to give him that raise? Tell me what team will give him that raise. He's a good player. I'm not suggesting that. But he ran for 3.8 last year. He seems to be a malcontent this year. Nobody wants somebody else's problem. Michael, that's what I keep coming back to is that this is a player who, and obviously there are a lot of layers to this, but this is a player who just six months ago, handful of months ago, seemed like the best type of representation you could have for your franchise. He's the cornerstone foundational piece of your offense. He does and says all the right things. He says everything's good with his contract. Then he gets this new agent. The mindset completely changes and the narrative about running backs not being paid becomes this massive thing. And his mindset is completely changed to exactly the word you used, malcontent. It's a totally different shift in philosophy than we've seen from Jonathan Taylor for a long time. He's a very yeah. talented, very, very talented guy. Um, we know he just led the league in rushing in 2021. He's only 24 years old. But for a team to not only trade for him, to your point, for a first-round pick or something equal to that, and have to give him a new contract just seems like a lot. So I completely understand why Indy says, go ahead, see what you can find out there, but I don't think you're going to find very much in this market. Yeah, and we've seen nothing but the trend of paying running backs go completely yeah. down. If you look at the if you look at running backs and where people are allocating money, nobody seems to want to do it. Now look, everybody wants Jonathan Taylor on their team, but are they willing to do it? Would, would Jonathan Taylor make Washington a much better football team? There's no question he would. Mm -hmm. He cuz I think he's better than Robinson and I think he's better than Gibson. But are they willing to pay him all this money? Are they willing to then give up a high draft choice for him? Is he the one piece that fits? And I think what Jerry Jones said is true. You know, even though he doesn't have name backups, he likes his running back room. Right. And I think most people do. I mean, look, Seattle's got Kenneth Walker and, and Charbonnet. They put two second-round picks in there. Philadelphia does the same thing, right? It's hard to it's hard to put that. You have to separate where you're going to put your money. I just don't see this coming through, which is why they allowed the agent to make some phone calls. Now, let me ask you, Stormy. Let's say he signed with Miami. 
would that lure you into playing my would that move the number in Miami against the Chargers? If he was on Miami's team, would you change the number? Right now, the line in that game, it opened up two and a half, it went to three, and now it's starting to move back to two and a half. Would you think that number would go more back to, would go to two? Miami would be just a two-point dog or you know, what I, would you think? I think not necessarily like from an odds maker standpoint, but I do think that more people from the public betting perspective would say, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a difference maker. I do. I think that the number would shift yep. if he were to come there. From the public, right. From I agree the public, with you because yes. The public just, because when they hear a trade or they, it's like Hopkins, you know, he went to Tennessee all of a sudden, you know, he's the number one receiver. You know, when, if you talk to anybody in the league that has been around the Cardinals and I have, and they, they'll tell you he doesn't practice, doesn't run great. I mean, it's like there's a mm -hmm. whole list of things that you hear, right? That's way different than what you read about in the media. Way different. It's completely different. And, look, Hopkins has great hands. He's, he's got great eye-hand coordination, and he's competitive. But there's other things that go into play in receiver, too, that is concerning. And so it's the same thing with this running back. I mean, if, if you know, Miami trades for Taylor, they're not giving him the ball 25 times because Tyreek Hill and, and Waddle will be in head coach Mike McDaniel's office complaining about they want the football. Well, and I feel like we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, this offseason, when it comes to Mike McDaniel and the way he runs that offense because it's so bizarre thinking about what he was no, what he made his name for when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers as their run game coordinator and eventual offensive coordinator, like as this kind of run game guru. And then he comes to Miami and because he has these weapons in the pass game that are so high level, it's just, let's play with my toys. And if I, if I have these options, I might as well utilize them. And Raheem Mostert, you just don't really need anything from the running back room, at least from the perspective we've seen so far. I think they need it. So I like. I would have loved for them to have gone out and got Dalvin Cook. I know they said they felt it would be a luxury piece, too much money that he was asking for, but I think they do need something in that running back room to help out their quarterback into a tongue of Iloa, to change a little bit of the way that their approach is offensively, no? I think they are changing their approach. So let's just take this in perspective. Last year, in the three preseason games, Mike McDaniel called 67 runs. Okay, in three preseason games. So far in two preseason games against Atlanta and Houston, right? He's called 64 runs. So you could mm -hmm. see he's trying to get a, he's and this trying. is in quarterback run. Yeah, you could see there's kind of, there's a message. I mean, Skylar Thompson's run the ball five times. I mean, you could see there's kind of a, an emphasis to try to get the run game going a little bit. Now, when he had the drive against Houston with two in the game, it was mostly all throws. They start the game off with an RPO, two of throws and interception. But for the most part, he, he didn't really, he tried to run a little bit, but you could see there's a sense. I think it's permeating throughout the building that they need to try to run the football. Now, if they get, if they trade for Taylor, you got to give them the ball because you're going to give up a bunch right. of assets to get him. You're going to give up a bunch of assets to get him, And so you're going to have to feed him the football. And again, Miami is the favorite in the, if not Indy, what team will Jonathan Taylor go to market? Does that all make sense? Especially considering they didn't go all in on Dalvin Cook. Would they go with Jonathan Taylor? I'm not so sure I see it. I think once week one arrives that Jonathan Taylor is going to be in the Indianapolis Colts. And that's like another part of this. This is very yeah. late in the game 
for like barring a significant injury somewhere or a team just really saying we need to go all in at the running back position it doesn't make a lot of sense for a team to go out and get a guy like Jonathan Taylor right now even with the talent that he brings and then we never even talk about cap room right oh okay, yeah so we are we're, we're sitting here now where only the top 51 salaries count towards the cap okay but when we get to next Saturday, a week from Saturday, then it's going to be all players count towards the cap, including the practice squad players. And so it's going to be really tight. For example, Tampa Bay has very little cap room right now with counting without only counting the 51. So they're going to have to redo Shaq Barrett or they're going to have to redo Mike Evans' contract to pick up cap room. We know Cleveland's been redoing contracts. They redid Miles Garrett's contract. So we know they're doing that. Even, even though they have the most cap room in the league, they're creating cap room. So you got to get your cap in order. And adding a $17 million a year player or 15 or even 13 makes it harder. Well, and I saw some people suggesting that maybe the Browns were clearing cap room for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And I was like, no, look at how much money that they have they on their cap money. next year. <laughs> yeah, they owe like $54 million <laughs> next year. They need some of this to carry over. And it's, it's a whole thing. We got to take a break. So much more Lombardi line to come over the course of the next hour. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Thanks for joining us on VSEN, the sports betting network. Legendary sports better Billy Walters recently sat down with our own Brent Musburger to discuss his new book, Gambler: Secrets from a Life at Risk. Now, for a limited time, get a free copy of Billy Walters' new book. When you join us and become a VEASAN Pro annual subscriber, just sign up on a new VEASAN Pro annual subscription today. Use the promo code BILLY, B-I-L-L-Y. Get an entire year of VEASAN Pro access to our daily best bets, 
season prep betting guides, 24-7 video, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. And remember to use that promo code BILLY when you sign up for a VSIN Pro annual subscription. Get your free copy of the book. Copies are limited, so sign up at vsin.com slash subscribe today. I'm sure a lot of you have seen clips from the interview already, but make sure you head to the VSIN YouTube channel as well for some more of that great conversation with Brent Musburger. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. And so we got talking a lot about Jonathan Taylor and the situation a few moments ago, Michael. And I started just thinking about the Colts in general and preseason. In my mind, I feel like I'm sometimes like the dog in up where I'm like squirrel and I'm just looking all directions and I'm going on all these tangents in my brain. Chasing cars all the time, right? Absolutely. And so yeah. I started thinking about kind of preseason philosophy in general. And a lot of these teams and the Colts were a trigger for me because Anthony Richardson didn't play in game two of the preseason and obviously he's a guy that could really use a running back like Jonathan Taylor don't get me wrong but it, it was just odd to me in general that a quarterback who clearly needs reps who had such limited experience in college didn't play in a preseason game you'd think yeah. that he would be getting as many reps as he possibly could so many teams have different philosophies in this three-game schedule and I was wondering if you think that there's a best way of doing things because Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, like, he he plays Patrick Mahomes. In game two, we see extended opportunities for the starters to play, and they're coming off a Super Bowl, and they have the reigning MVP, yet a team like the Indianapolis Colts isn't starting their rookie quarterback in a preseason game? I don't understand it. Well, it, it, here's why. It's hard because if you're going to start him in a game, you got to start your offensive line, too. You can't put him in there with a backup lineman. And so you have to ask yourself the question, did we get enough work? in this week as we prepared against Chicago. You know, they practiced against Chicago. They got a lot of work. So now, okay, your offensive line got a lot of good work. I don't really want to play those guys. They practiced in pads two days. You know, we got, say we got 100 reps on Wednesday, 100 reps on Thursday. You know, that's 200 reps. Do I really want to put them in the game? I'd rather play my backups. And once you make that decision to play the backup offensive lineman, you now have no chance to play Richards, you're not playing your starting quarterback. And I think that's what happened with Chicago and Indy. I think both teams had good work, you know, and they practiced against one another. It was really good. And then they decided in the game they didn't. Green Bay, New England, for example, they had two really long practices Wednesday and Thursday against one another, ran a multitude of plays. And yet they decided to play their starters a little bit more in the game, just a series or two. Mac Jones played a quarter and Jordan Love played a quarter and then they got him out. But there's always a difference. So like, how do you want to approach this? For example, the Jets in Tampa last week, right? The Jets were supposed to practice against the Bucks two days in a row. But when the Bucks were getting on the plane to fly up there to start their practices, the Jets said, no, we're only going to do one day, which irritated the Bucks because now they had to go find a place to practice and they couldn't practice against the Jets on one day. So this is kind of like everybody shifting and moving based on the health of their team. You know, New England was supposed to go to Tennessee. Isaiah Bolden gets hurt. They go back to New, they go back to Foxborough because they canceled their work against Tennessee, maybe because of Bolden's injury and because of the severity of that, but also maybe because they had so many reps against Green Bay, they felt like they were overdoing it. We'll see. I think it's all about feel, right? You got to see what your injury history is with your team too, and you got to play that in. I don't think there's a set formula. Okay. And I mean, similarly too, in, in years past, there was kind of this ideology of how you're going to start certain guys in which 
game with there being four preseason games and with there being a three game schedule that has changed a little bit too but I feel like there's just such a big disparity for the way that teams are utilizing their starters in the preseason I was just wondering if there was a way you felt was better than than the Uh other I want to play my offensive linemen. I want to get them reps. I want to get them a certain amount of plays. I want them to be ready to go opening weekend. I, I take the Andy Reid approach. I mean, okay. Belichick's trying to play. Now, he's got a bunch of injuries in his offensive line, you know, but he's so he's starting a rookie at right tackle, starting a rookie at left guard. But he wants to get – got to get them reps because if you don't, they're not going to be ready to play 70 plays. It's what Spagnola said earlier in our show. You just can't put the guys out there if you don't have to give them enough reps. And reps against – your backups or your first team, that doesn't count. You need that play after play after play because here's what happens in practice. The first team goes out there. They run five plays. The next team goes out there, right? Well, in a game, you might have a 13-play drive. You might have a 14-play drive. You might have a 10-play drive. And if you haven't practiced 10 plays in a row, you may get exhausted. So I think you have to condition your team like a boxer. You've got to spar so many rounds to get ready to go. And I think one of the things that, you know, that Zach Taylor has struggled with is starts. Frank Wright starts. I mean, you can go back to last year. Look at Indianapolis last year. They were not very good in preseason last year. You know, their defense was on the field for 31 minutes. Their offense couldn't control the ball. I mean, I know Sam Ellinger played well, but their execution wasn't very good. You know, their execution wasn't good. And so that affects them. I think you have to really study that. You know, Zach Taylor starts slow because he wants to build his team up for the stretch run. Good, good. And it's worked. Two conference championship games, one Super Bowl, right? However, can he go five and four again and still win the North? I don't know. I think that's hard, Stormy. Yeah, it's a little bit more of an uphill battle. It's great to know that your team is playing its best, like it's peaking at the right time late in the season. But if you put yourself in too big of a hole, then you're not always going to be able to work yourself out of it the way that they have in the last couple of years. We also talked about joint practices. And, of course, we saw the fight break out with the Eagles and Colts this week. Um, Jason Kelsey has apologized, said he was ashamed. He regrets the self-proclaimed cheap shot that he had on Zaire Alexander. But that's another like element of this is that these guys are very eager to play and to play people that aren't their teammates anymore. Yeah. And so um, like, what's the value in your opinion between preseason games and these joint practices? Because that is the starters getting work against a different opponent. Well, I mean, the hard part for, is to evaluate your own team. And when you practiced against, you know, you start in April and you have your OTAs in May and then you have mini camps and then you have, you kind of know, okay, I know that receiver. I know his moves. I know that offensive lineman. I know what he does. And then you start to play against the player. And so the evaluations become a little bit, uh, you taint it. You, you don't really get a true look at the player. You need different competition. You need to be able to say, okay, I want to see this guy against somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into a game setting, you don't know if it's run or pass, right? Okay, it's this is a run period. This is a pass period. Now in a game, it's just we're playing football. And you want to see who can play football the best. And I, I think ultimately that's why, the to me, I think these, these dual workouts between two teams are really what we need to do. It really helps a lot gives you a lot of reps. It gets your team ready, but you also got to play some in the game. I uh, did you did you get to see any of the newest Hard Knocks episode, Michael? Not yet. I haven't seen any Hard Knocks so far. Oh. I have not. Yeah, I I've really enjoyed it cuz it's a different type of Hard Knocks this year than we've seen of years past where we're actually really highlighting the stars and 
there was another joint practice with the the Jets and the Bucks last week. And yeah, there was some chippiness, da, 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 whatever. But my favorite part was, and I hope that you can at least like go Twitter, Google the video or something like this. But Quinnen Williams was so offended and so disappointed that Mike Evans called him fat. He's like, Mike Evans called me fat. He wouldn't let it go. He's like, I've been losing weight all off season. And one of his teammates goes, well, you're, you're not skinny. You know, hit him with the truth bumps that you, you look good for 300, buddy. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he does look good for 300. I mean, but he's never going to be skinny. I mean, there's just some of us who are never going to be skinny, no matter how much you try to do it. You know, I, I think, and look, he wouldn't let Williams, it go. It was so funny yeah. though. He's just like, Mike Evans called me fat. He even went up to him after practice. I couldn't believe you called me fat, man. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, I have not watched it. Do you, have you enjoyed it? I have. And I know that it's, Obviously, everything is approved by the Jets, so they're letting you see what they want you to see, yada, yada, yada. But it's been an it's been an interesting look, I think, and they've done a good job with it. And I like that this is a hard knocks where we're sitting down and we're talking to Aaron Rodgers and we're talking to Quinn and Williams and the stars of the show versus, yes, I love the element that we've come to know and love from hard knocks where you're talking to these young up-and-coming players, and there's a little bit of that. But I like the star power that this team has. Yeah, I, I, well, they definitely do, and that, and that's why they had to be on hard knocks. I mean, let's face it. Of I that mean, group, this yes, would not, sure. yeah, without that star power, we would not have a very good show. So it's interesting. I, I would love to hear your what's your thoughts on Sala as you've watched this. Um, I like I like Robert Sala obviously from the 49ers fan side of things. Um, and I think that you're getting to see a good side of him. But it's also a lot of the anecdotes and the ways that he talks to the team feel very scripted. And yeah. granted, like, I'm not usually in these NFL meetings, right? So I don't know yeah. how they're usually ran. But a lot of it just feels a little bit too overthought out and digging too deep in the weeds versus just, like, motivation, competitiveness. Like, let's do this. Right. I don't know. That's just my two cents. But we can discuss this more in the break, Michael. <laughs> we'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Don't go anywhere. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. We are just 15 days away from that first real game of this NFL season. And throughout the entire NFL preseason, our VSEN experts have been busy evaluating each and every team to give you a betting edge. Our updated NFL betting guide is due later this month before the season starts. It'll help you get ahead of all things this upcoming year. Picks from every on-air host, team-specific preseason analysis, how to use our VEASAN betting splits and football contest strategies. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and reserve your copy of the guide or take advantage of our football season special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for just $199. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe and it is totally worth the get all of the updated information come in your way very very mm -hmm. soon uh, alongside Michael Lombardi who was a contributor in that guide I'm Stormy Bonantoni and this time of year it's always fun Michael because we're starting to get a real picture of the teams that are going to be fielded here come week one in just 15 days, which is crazy to me that we're actually to this point now but with that NFL Network's Jeffrey Chadia has put out a ranking of all eight NFL divisions this year in the order with which he thinks they are best to worst one through eight. And this time last year, 
you remember, we all were talking about the AFC West. Best division potentially ever in football. Could all four teams make the postseason? You know, all of this conversation. And obviously, um, the personnel that was brought into the division did not end up being as stout as we thought it would be in 2022. In 2023, the AFC West are ranked three on this list with the AFC North and AFC East going one and two. And of course, being the betting network that we are, we're going to get into the odd side of this as well, which is interesting that you have the AFC West and the Kansas City Chiefs, who are, of course, the favorite to repeat and win this year's Super Bowl again as a shorter shot than the AFC North and the AFC East, who are considered the strongest divisions in football. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, last year, everything about a division is based on quarterback one through four, right? Who are your quarterbacks and how well do they play? Last year, you know, the reason the West was so highly touted is because you had Mahomes. Russell Wilson was coming to the division. We were thinking Russell Wilson was going to start cooking again. You know, we thought he would do it. Derek Carr. And then, of course, Justin Herbert. I mean, those are four good quarterbacks. Two of them didn't have very good seasons. Herbert had a great year. Their team made the playoffs, but then they fell apart. So, that's the logic behind it. And I think the reason the North and why Jeff has them in, in number one, and I agree with him, is because of the level of quarterback. And you could say, well, Pickett's not that good. Well, I think what we learned about Pickett over the course of the second half of the season, he's smart. He protects the ball. Their offense isn't flashy, but they're effective. You know, you've got Lamar coming back. We expect him to be better this year with the addition of Todd Moncton as the offensive coordinator and all these weapons that they have. We know Joe Burrow's a good quarterback, and, and I don't believe that Deshaun Watson can play like he did last year. I think he's certainly going to improve. So that's why I think the quarterback, it's all about the quarterbacking, whereas the worst division in football, the NFC South, right, we're not sure about that. Is Carr going to play like he did last year, or is he going to play like he did two years ago, Right. Who is Bryce Young? Who is Desmond Ritter? We know who Baker Mayfield is. He's got to get better. There, there is not one quarterback in the South that you could say, okay, he's going to be great. Now, you'd think Carr's going to be great because he's had years where he's been great, but last year wasn't a great year for him. When, um, when it comes to, I just look at the bottom and you see the NFC South who are ranked last in this list that you just mentioned. They're 14 to one to have a team that would win the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, the AFC South, ranked seven, they're 16 to one with an even lesser chance to, to make the, that just in itself, just a minor thing goes to show the toughness of the AFC in general. And also that three of the top four teams on this ranking are AFC divisions versus the yeah. NFC. Right. And that's where I think you've got to be really careful. And it happened to me when I was looking at picking who's the seventh team in the NFC to get into the playoffs. There's going to be two teams from the AFC that don't make the playoffs that are probably going to be good playoff teams, right? Just because of the schedule. That's why starting fast in the AFC is so darn important mm -hmm. because what happened to Pittsburgh was they lost the tiebreaker. What happened to Detroit? They lost the tiebreaker. They started so poorly it cost them come playoff time. I think it's the same thing in the AFC. You've got to be careful. Whereas in the NFC, you might be able to start slow because I don't know how many good teams there are. You know, everybody doesn't think Washington can win, but why is Washington not as good as New York? Well, New York beat them twice last year. Okay, I got that. But if you watch those games closely, it was more even than you think it was, right? And so you've got to consider them. Detroit, everybody thinks is going to be great. Okay, Green Bay held them to 34 points in two games. Their defense played well. Jordan Love can play well. 
you know, there's a lot of cases you can make for some of these teams in the North because the comp, the, the NFC, because the competition isn't great. Yeah, I love the parody for that conference because you have the Eagles and 49ers who sit up there relatively close odds to each other. Eagles a favorite at three to one, 49ers plus 350. But it's pretty much Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, clear right. cut top three. And then, yeah, there's a lot of hype around the Lions to your point. But beyond that, it's really anybody's game from there. I feel like it's so wide open in the NFC. And again, this goes back to quarterback play, like you referenced in these rankings in general and what makes them important. Like it's very much so based on that in the NFC and the level of quarterback play is so different than that in the AFC. No question. And if Deshaun Watson doesn't play well, the Browns aren't going to be good. Right. If Kenny Pickett turns the ball over, it's going to affect the Steelers, right? And so the margin, you know, Mac Jones for this Patriots not to finish in fourth place, Mac Jones has to play well. I mean, that's just a he's got to play well. Josh Allen has to play well for the Bills. The Bills are not dominant enough for them just to walk to the East. You know, they're just not dominant. Their, their defense has four guys over 30 years old. Can they stay healthy? You know, can they play well enough if they lost Josh Allen or if he doesn't play well, if he turns the ball over? And it's the same thing with Miami. I mean, I think Miami's going to be good defensively. I've got complete faith in Vic Fangio. However, can Tua stay healthy and will they protect the quarterback? I think that remains to be seen. I agree with you. I think it's Philadelphia. I think it's San Francisco. Then I think it's Dallas. And then I think there's four teams. Anybody's guess. Michael, when it comes to this odds board in general, though, that we have up of the one through eight division rankings, do you think there's any value or a bet to be made on this board? Or would you say it's more worthwhile to bet the specific team from that division you think is going to win? For example, because I the AFC South is the longest shot on this board comes to mind. Do you just bet the AFC South to give yourself a little bit of safety with the Tennessee Titans potentially coming out of that division? Or you just say, yeah. hey, I can get 30 to one on the Jags. Why not take that? Yeah, I, well, I think I would take the 30 to one. Plus, you got to win the Super Bowl. It isn't just getting there, Correct. right? You got to win to cash this ticket, right? So, like, that's what worries me. You got to win it. Like, I'll tell you the other team I think we're overlooking in the, in the NFC. I think we're overlooking Seattle. I think Seattle's a really good team. They're well coached. They're, they're going to be better defensively. They're going to be better offensively. If Geno Smith stays healthy, I think I think Seattle belongs in the conversation, much like Dallas does. They may not win their division, but they're going to be there at the end. I think they're good. I think they've had a great offseason. I know Njigba hurt his wrist and could miss the opener or miss two weeks, but he'll be back. And I think they're going to be really good. I, and if they get Kenneth Walker back, I think it just helps them. So I think Seattle's better though. If Seattle was in the NFC North, I think they would be the clear-cut favorite to win that over Detroit. But see, again, like in this, I'm just kind of like going from this odds frame of work from the division. Like, yeah. again, you have a Seattle Seahawks team to win the Super Bowl that's a 30-to-1 shot or the 49ers at 10-to-1 versus the NFC West betting that at plus 550. Like, I think that there's alternate ways just to back yeah. the team that you have interest in a little bit more than the division. Unless there was a division like the AFC West, for example, where you're like, I really genuinely believe Either the Chiefs or the Chargers can win. I might as well just bet this at a plus money price that's good enough. And that's the philosophy that you come from. But generally speaking, I would prefer to just back one or two teams that I really believe in. Yeah, I agree with that, especially when the favorites, right? You know, mm -hmm. Kansas, you know, Kansas City's a favorite. So you're not getting great odds for them right. to win the Super Bowl. Whereas if you bet the West, you're going to get plus 350, which are going to be better. But if you look at the NFC West, 
you know, if you think San Francisco at 10 to 1, that's better than betting 550. Right. Right. You know, or if you think it's Seattle at 30 to 1, you're better off making two independent bets than making the NFC West bet. I do agree with you, though. I think Seattle's going to be one of those like rock in the shoe type of teams that you, we, we learned last year. We totally had them power ranked wrong before the season. So many people saying they thought they could be the worst team in the league. They end up being fantastic. Geno Smith was a next level player, gets the contract this year. Very excited for him to take those continued steps this year with the yeah. weapons that he has around him. But they're a team that I very much so think could just, especially because of the way that they've gone head-to-head with San Francisco in years past, even when San Francisco has been the clear-cut better team on paper, Seattle and Pete Carroll have always been challenging for that organization. So they could be one of those teams that down the line um, presents some problems for some teams in the playoffs. And they got to get their home field back, right? Yeah. We saw Carolina go in there and beat them. We saw the Raiders go in there and beat them. They've lost their home field. Atlanta beat them in there. No question, Michael. Okay, we hear the music, which means I got to shut up and we'll get to the next segment <laughs> now. It's time for Why Not Wednesday. And there are some of those bets. Maybe it is the Seattle Seahawks at 30 to 1 this win the Super Bowl. That's a longer shot, but makes you say, why not? We'll analyze them all when we come back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, if you're planning a trip to Vegas, then why wouldn't you? Remember, you can also convert BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip or nationwide. 
Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we are wrapping up today's Lombardi line with a little Why Not Wednesday action, Michael. And I think it's great. We're going to start with the Seattle Seahawks because we had an interesting conversation, I think, last segment about different divisions and varying odds and the Seattle Seahawks were a pretty long shot at 30 to one to win the Super Bowl. So on this, why not Wednesday, Michael, when you see that 30 to one Seattle going to win it all, does it make you want to say why not or no, thank you? No, it makes me want to say why not? I think Seattle's a really good team. I mean, I think Seattle finally has gotten a couple drafts together. They have a three technique and Dramonte Jones. Their defense will be better today. Jamal Adams will come off a PUP. They'll put him in. He's not a safety. He's a linebacker. They'll play him in there. Uh, Bobby Wagner, I think, certainly will help their defensive front. Brooks is a tackling machine. He's been one for a while. Offensively, they started two rookie offensive tackles last year, right? And so when you do that, you you know, you think, oh, my gosh, well, how are we going to block everybody? Well, Cross played well. So did Lucas. And they're going to be improved. You know, and I don't think it was a fluke with Gino last year. I really don't. I don't think Gino was a fluke. I think Gino played well. Now, defensively, they've got to come. They've got to take a giant step forward. But like I said, Brooks can tackle. Wagner's a good tackler. They can rush the passer. They finally have some inside pressure with Dermonte Jones coming in from Denver. And with their two corners, Witherspoon hasn't been healthy so far, but Michael Jackson's a really good corner. We know that Witherspoon could be a really good corner. And and Woolen was a, was a, one of the best corners yeah. in the league last year. So I, I don't see why they can't, right? I don't see why they can't compete. Look, that game against San Francisco, you're a 49er fan. You remember it well. They're driving down the field. It's a close game. It's a really close game. And they turned the ball over and San Francisco's able to put the game away. They're just, they were a little bit, they weren't quite as good as San Francisco, but I think they can improve. I really do. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think they're going to be kind of that like rock in the shoe, annoying type of a team that you're going to go into the game feeling confident and then not feel so confident come the fourth quarter. Their win total is sitting at nine and a half for a reason. I can't get on board with the 30 to like, I think that they're 30 to one odds for a reason. And I, yeah. it's not a why not for me, but what I would say is very different bang for your buck situation here, but minus 120 for the Seattle Seahawks to make the playoffs seems like a really good bet to me. I really, especially yeah. with the NFC being as wide open as it is, you talk about the confidence you have in Geno Smith and last season not being a fluke. I think that would be a good bet for Seattle. I agree. I do. I agree with that too. You know, I, I think Seattle's been undervalued. 30 to 1, I think, is really mm -hmm. kind of like, look, how are they going to get to the Super Bowl? Well, they got to win the Super Bowl too. So, yeah. but when they get there, you know, could they beat Philly in a one game? I think they could. Could Philly beat them five out of seven times? Probably, right? Right? Could San Francisco, could they beat San Francisco once? Yeah. Could San Francisco beat them five out of seven? Probably, right? I'm not saying they're yeah. the best team, but I'm saying they have the makings and how this team progresses and improves during the course of the year. Look, they've got to flip this. They've got to get home field advantage back in their favor, right? Last year, it wasn't. 
And I think that's really important for them. I, I really believe that. They, they had something going there when they could create that home field. But last year, they just couldn't do it. The year before, they couldn't do it, right? Yep. You know, last year, they, you know, they, they, they lose to Atlanta at home. You know, they lose to the Raiders. They lose to Carolina at home. They lose to San Francisco home on a Thursday night. You know, and so that that's an effect. You know, that that hurts you. You got to if you have a great home field, you got to be seven and one at home or eight and one if you play nine games. Michael, when you said that comparison of about the Eagles, if you were to play seven times, whatever, it felt very Herb Brooks miracle speech to me. If we played the Russians ten times, they might win nine. <laughs> Not this game. Um, not tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight. We skate with them, Stormy. Yeah. We skate with them tonight. <laughs> I love it. Um, tonight, tonight we stay with them. Okay. Um, let's move on here on this Why Not Wednesday, though. We also talked a lot yeah. about the Steelers earlier today with Jerry Dulac, Steelers reporter. Had loved that conversation. If you missed any of it, make sure you download the Lombardi Line in podcast form as well as check out the YouTube channel on Vsin. But Mike Tomlin, twenty-two yeah. to one for Coach of the Year. Does it make you want to say why not? Oh, it makes me, Mike Tomlin makes me want to say why not all the time. We, in fact, <laughs> on the Daily Coach, we wrote about Mike Tomlin's qualities as a leader. It's just so impressive. You know, he tells the story, Stormy, of when he was a kid growing up, he watched too much television. But at least when he was watching television during the commercial breaks, he and his brother would do push-ups and sit-ups until the commercials were over. So he didn't feel like he was really just wasting his time. He got actually wow. got into a good routine. And Look, I think he should have won Coach of the Year last year. He had my vote for Coach of the Year last year. To take that team from where it was, getting blown out by Philly, going into a bye week with a rookie quarterback, winning nine games, and as Jerry pointed out, 34 years since the Browns have had a, a better record than the Steelers. 34 mm -hmm. years. I mean, that's really remarkable. And he's just continued the tradition. Look, if you think they're going to be good, if you think they can win the North, I think he's a good bet to win the uh, coach of the year. And 16 seasons of evidence of no losing seasons will, will certainly there help. There you go. You had to say well. it again. I had to. Had I mean, to come on. Yeah. You can't Every have day. a conversation about Mike Tomlin and the Steelers <laughs> and not say it. It's just the way of the world nowadays, uh, Michael Lombardi. But let's keep it in the division and let's talk about those Browns because their odds to win the AFC are sitting around 18 to 1. And again, for all of these numbers, make sure you shop around. You're going to find different values, different places. But baseline, 18 to 1 for the Browns. You do like them potentially if Deshaun Watson shows the type of player that he's been historically in the past before the long layoff that the Browns could win that division 18 to 1 for the AFC. How do you feel? Why not? Right? Why not? I have three why nots. I'm oh a why not guy today. I'm I'll have to give you I'll, I'll give you I'm, one I'm, I know is not next. I, I, I am <laughs> really positive. But look, if not now, when for them, right? They have everything in place. They're really a good team, this Browns team. They have Emerson at corner. They've got Newsom at corner. They've got Denzel Ward at corner, right? They can rush the passer. They've got speed at linebacker. I think their run defense will be much improved with Jim Schwartz as the defense coordinator. And then offensively, look, offensively, they, they're not lacking for anything. You could say, well, they need more skill. Okay, well, you know, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is really good. People tend to underestimate him. I don't know if Marquise Brown can give them any plays, but I certainly believe that he's got speed like Schwartz, who hasn't been able to come through for them as fast as he is. But Cooper played well last year. They're really good up front. You know, they've got good tight ends. I don't know why they shouldn't be. I think the one thing they lack more than anything is mental toughness. I think they lack that. I think that's where they lose games. But I think with Bubba Ventrone coming in as their special teams coach, with Schwartz as their defensive coordinator, I think they have a really good coaching staff and they got a good team.
And we'll see if this pays dividends or not, but I really do think there's value in Deshaun Watson being fully connected and immersed to the team from day one. He did get some games under his belt last year. I know they it wasn't great, but now having this full offseason where he's not going to have to take any time away, being fully immersed in the system, gaining relationships with his teammates, I think it'll pay dividends. But since we had three no why question. nots, I have to give you I have to make sure that you have a no in here somewhere. And this is going to okay. be a no twofold because it's already an award that probably shouldn't or doesn't typically go to a quarterback anyways. Offensive player of the year, 20 to 1 Justin Fields. Does it make you want to say why not, Michael? Oh my gosh, no. I mean Note. I, mean, ah, look, I got uh, one. I knew all you have uh, to do is no, say Justin Fields and it's a no. It doesn't well, matter the topic. I think we are, my point about Justin Fields is the expectations are ridiculous. We think this guy's going to go from throwing 22 passes a game to all of a sudden leading the league in passing. Like at some point, the reason they only attempted 22 passes a game is because they know they don't throw the ball effectively. I know Femi went crazy while you were on vacation. He threw a bubble screen out to DJ Moore. He missed through it. DJ Moore made a great catch. He went 65 yards. He went completely nuts. You know, <laughs> we had Twitter Femi coming out right then. I mean, we it was going crazy on it. I loved it. But look, I think Fields runs the ball well. He's got to prove to me he can throw it from the pocket. I've yet to see it. We love Twitter Femi, but the reason that I love, I, him. I love Twitter Femi, <laughs> the reason, I, you know, the reason I think that's that much funnier though, with Justin Fields is because obviously the athleticism is the reason why they don't think that he could be the MVP, although he's obviously a big liability for some sports books. Oh, there's from some that think category. he's the MVP. Your boy has a ticket. He he's hiding it. Justin, he has no. a ticket on Justin. <laughs> don't come on. But the odds board have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Justin Fields. That is the top five on the odds board for Offensive Player of the Year going into 2023. And I just, I find it fascinating. I knew it was going to be a no for you in so many areas. Of course. Just had to get it out. Great Michael. to have you back, though, Stormy. <laughs> it's great to have you back. I appreciate you. So happy to be back. Travel home safe. And I will see you Sunday, my friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 